Yo, this is Julian Elijah Martinez. And this is Colin J. Harden. And you're listening to the Episode 1 Show. And we are live. We are live. We are kind of live. We're not really live. We're, we're, this is pre-recorded, just for those <laughs> people who are going to be like, where was the live? <laughs> it's not. It's not. There is no live. No, but this is the episode one show. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back to listen to us. We today are going to cover Reservation Dolls. But first, Elijah, didn't you want to talk about something? Yeah, so... When when we're recording this, the Golden Globes have just dropped, and I thought it'd be a good opportunity since this is you know a TV podcast for us to talk a little right. bit about the uh, uh, an award show that awarded TV awards. Um, That's right. But y'all gonna be listening to this like three weeks afterwards, so you know yeah. timing's great. <laughs> yeah, and just like you know, when you do listen to it, you can assess what we talk about. But I can say this. We were right. If you go back, follow uh, the episode one show on Instagram. We put our top five. Mm -hmm. Our top five kind of goes in line with the Golden Globes. At least some of them do. Yeah. we. I mean, like, for those who know, like, Succession 1, drama TV series, Succession basically just, like, swept that shit. And both me and and Colin had Succession pretty high on our top five list. Mm -hmm. So, I guess you're you're not surprised by that, are you, Colin? No, 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 no. I mean, Succession always sweeps for some reason. Uh, Some people get a little bit upset about that. Mm -hmm. Like, they wonder, like, there's a lot of other shows out there. Mm -hmm. So, it does feel somewhat like a popularity contest. But sometimes, like, with this kind of stuff, like, you got to remember there's a reason why it's popular. Right. And sometimes it's because it's excellent. And I think Succession is excellent. But do you think, like, Succession is better than Last of Us? Yeah, I do. I do. I actually like. I mean, no hesitation. You the wrong one. Yeah, because you, you picked the wrong show to put that one up against. Like Last of Us. I like Last of Us, but I don't think it's like I don't. This is controversial. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best TV show. Like, not even close. Like, not even. It's close. very enjo- not even close. It's a very enjoy. It was. It was in in my order of top five. It was five, mm-hmm. and part of it was. Like there's there's something about enjoyability and there's something about like adaptation, mm-hmm. like doing a really good adaptation. But then when we talk about like the way we analyze TV and the way TV's done, mm-hmm. it doesn't follow it the same. It did did do some really interesting and creative things. Mm-hmm. But it's not my favorite TV show. Yeah, because it also, you know, it's like in that world of like what is TV. We had this conversation with um with suits like what makes good tv tv mm-hmm. you know and when we were watching suits the the ability to like be second screen the ability for the for the uh the pilot to kind of like trug forward the the mm-hmm. idea that like all of these characters are people that we can kind of gravitate towards and, and connect to the the sheer like charm and magnet of of you know suits mm-hmm. where like last of us essentially is a 10 hour movie you know, thirty-hour mm-hmm. movie, forty-hour movie. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's not trying to. And do, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm. And with that, like, not to cut you off, but it's oh. it's not one of those things that, like, to be honest, it could be one season for me, and I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not like begging to see the second season of it. Right. I, I'm. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna watch every episode, but I'm not like I need to know what happens next. Right. Right. Like right. that's just not where I'm at with it personally. Right. Well, speaking of one season, did you watch the mm-hmm. beef? 
Beef? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did watch that. And that, that was an interesting that was an interesting piece of TV too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh bounced around in time, like uh two characters opposing it was more it felt like a uh well it was definitely like a social commentary mm-hmm. and and uh like a character study in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was tr- talking about the you know society like it all satires do right. in a way right um so yeah when i think satire and social commentary are are great especially when it, in comedy and drama mm-hmm. are great for that one season or that li- like limited series thing you can just kind of make your statement or mm-hmm. make your you know make your show mm-hmm. and be done and, and get out i'm interested in the the idea of limited series and where it's gonna go we talked about this before right but i'm just curious about how popular it is right now, especially right. in the American television. And is that something that we should be pursuing as writers, uh, more limited series runs? Well, I think like, I think the limited series, what it does is that it gives you an opportunity to snag a list creatives, um, because the commitment isn't as big. I mean, like the folks, right. like if you jump on suits, you know, you're signing up for, you know, three to four season options. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm-hmm. So your commitment is you, you're not going to get Stephen Young to do something like Suits again. You know, Stephen Young just mm-hmm. just got off of Walking Dead. I doubt highly that he's going to sign up for a, a TV show that's going to take eight years out of his life. But you mm-hmm. can get him for a limited series, especially if his, you know, his homegirl, Ali Wong, is also starring in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's like it's so much easier to get those kind of like those kind of folks. And I also think that like the limited series is able to capture it it you have less of a especially the way streaming works you have less of an impetus to try to like capture the zeitgeist the way that like a suits needs to you know what i mean like suits basically needs to get to a point where like you're listening to it it's like background noise it's like comfort food in order for it to justify eight seasons but with like a limited series like beef you can get in with 10 episodes the episodes can be any length that you want and so long as it gets on a couple of people's like best of the year list, then it'll win the awards that it needs to win and drive people to your network. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people will come to, come to Netflix to watch Suits and then come to Netflix to watch Beef and then stay to watch Suits. You know what I mean? So that's a good point. Yeah. But I think one thing I disagree with, like about capturing the zeitgeist, yeah. I think that has to. I think like pretty much everything you said after that, I agree with. The only thing about. Mm-hmm. The, the, I think you actually do have to capture the zeitgeist like that's the whole point in a way right. because like you have to capture that one feeling that's happening right now because it's going to be limited and it's only right. going to be here for that one season you got to get everybody in right now kind of like uh, White Lotus right. um, you got to like it's got to be something that is topical is like timely and everybody is interested in right now right. and then but I mean that uh, that doesn't apply to all limited series. But it seems like the popular the popular ones that we've seen. Um, uh, there's another one on Hulu. I want to say we, me and my wife watched. It was with Nicole Kidman. It was about drugs <laughs> and some like <laughs> like resort resort in Australia. Oh, I know yeah. somebody's yeah. That's yeah. the one that came off the oh, Nine the, Perfect Strangers. Yeah, that was like the that that was like the the White Lotus kind of like. Yeah, uh, like analog. Yeah, 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 almost. Yeah, yeah. So like, and a lot of people I know really, really enjoyed that one, and it was mm-hmm. just like there, and it was gone. Everybody watched it. It was fun, right? And then it was done, and then apparently it's going to get a second season, kind of like White Lotus did. So right. I guess that's the is that the hope though when you make those, or do you just like 
you know i think it depends i mean i think it depends like beef is there's no way they it'll get a second season i mean it, it no there's no way the you know the story is pretty much wrapped up um but i think that like I think it. I think it. I think the limited series right now, the way that it's working, is that it. It's kind of a, a hack. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I can. I can. Pro, I can plan for one season of something. Um, I can like. I can greenlight that, mm-hmm. and if it's not successful, like it doesn't capture people. I didn't, I didn't mean to do it anyway. I, yeah, I didn't plan lim- for it to have a second season, so it's fine. It's I'm not mad. It got yeah. canceled. Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's no canceling. Right. It's exactly. Kind of, you're right. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty smart. Maybe that's what we should be doing. We should just be just <laughs> pumping out limited series because of our insecurities about our writing. <laughs> just like, and then, I yeah. mean, well, there's no second season. So what do you I, want? But what I, do you want? I wonder. I wonder if they do pitch a second season in a way. I I, sure. I imagine there might. Like, I mean, I think something with Nine Perfect Strangers. They probably had something. You know, I also think that like White Lotus had something in the back yeah. burner. You know, um, but like, for example, like beef, beef felt like a movie that they then expanded out into unlimited series. And I also yeah. think like the what the limited series is now doing, except I think there's some shift happening with this theory is that the limited series was replacing the mid budget movie, the mid budget like mm. adult movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but now this year in particular, we've had there's been so much success with a lot of these like mid budget movies, these eight like the A twenty fours and like, you know, mm-hmm. the neons and all those movies. And so yeah. I think now what we're seeing is we're seeing like some of the limited series like culture of like Britain still kind of pervading in our TV. Um, mm-hmm. But now there's also going to be a rush to get back to these mid budget movies. Cause they're actually doing better than people thought. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested. I'm, I'm actually excited about what's happening in film right now, but I, I do wish, and this is, I know this is a TV podcast, but going to film a little bit, it, I do really wish there was something that was drawing us to the theater more because I really, really mm-hmm. missed that world. I really missed that time. Yeah, uh, where like almost every year there was something that really made you want to go. I mean, I did go see, um, I did see Oppenheimer this mm-hmm. past year. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see Barbie in the theaters, but I did see it on Max, and it was fantastic. It mm-hmm. was hilarious and fun. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, just a side note on that. Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I think the uh, the op. You know the the Barbie Heimer or the Oppen Barbie or whatever we're calling it. I think that I think they're going to be chasing that more, you know, these kind of events that will draw us to the theaters. And that's the thing when I'm saying the mid budget is doing really well. It's that it's like shows like movies, like poor things movie, like Mm -hmm. iron claw, like especially in in American fiction, American fiction. Yeah. American fiction. They're, they're actually doing fairly decently in the theater. Um, and horror always does well in the theater, and so mm-hmm. I think Cause we because it's cheap, yeah. And you want it, and, and you want it to be a communal experience. Like you want to sit there in the theater and be scared with a bunch of people. You don't want to like, I mean, some people do. I'm not, I'm not that way. I like to go see horror when all the teenagers are there because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're cutting up. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm scared. I don't even go see horror. I'm just, I'm oh, just you gotta, like you gotta get into horror, especially you're writing horror. A horror. Uh, uh, I mean, script. yeah, it's it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's a good segue. <laughs> I know my sister. My sister's big into horror, and like I had to consult her about that when I was writing it because uh-huh. I I just don't get the beats all the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but anyway, moving on. So yes, now 
now that we've gotten that out of the way, we didn't talk too much about the Golden Globes, but uh, did you want to say anything? I'll say this. I'm mm. really happy for the bear. I really enjoy the bear. Yep. I think a lot of the the shows that we did um, put on our top five is ironically our shows that we haven't covered, which I think we should uh, <laughs> yep. and we will because um, we love them and they'll be a lot of fun to do. But uh, speaking of shows that we love, though, Reservation Dogs is one that we really enjoyed right. this, this last year, and it just and it just had its last season yeah. um, in 2023. Um, we're we're in the beginning of 2024, so we kind of got kind of a celebration of that show that we really enjoyed, and yeah. kind of it's it's farewell, and we'll talk about that pilot episode. Yeah, yeah, and this is actually what's great about this is we we did a Reservation Dogs pilot, uh, episode way, way back when we first started this. Mm-hmm. And we were both trying to figure out what format was of the show. Yes. <laughs> right, right. And so we yeah. decided to like not release that, but actually yeah. actually come back to it and like with a bit more of our knowledge. Because this is a show that both me and Colin like actually beloved. And mm-hmm. it's also one that we both have watched all the way through. So like coming mm-hmm. at the pilot, we're going to be coming at this analysts a little differently than we usually do yeah yeah it's a it's a little easier when you've when you've seen the entire show like we Mm -hmm. just did suits last week and neither one of us have watched past season one if not like half of the season or Mm -hmm. maybe maybe i've gotten to season two but either way there's a different kind of analysis you can bring when you've watched the entire thing which is really really i think a a lot more fun at times it's it's a little it's just a little easier, a lot, a lot more fun because you can go back and kind of see some of the little, uh, like, uh, little little nuggets that they throw in there, little Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've it actually watching. So I watched the finale last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched the pilot, and then I watched the finale, and then this morning oh, I wow. got up and watched the pilot again, and I realized my opinion about like what the journey of this show is. Um, and what this show, what the actual like call to action of the show is, has completely turned around upon mm. watching the finale. Okay, um, and well, then I well, realized. For, mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you realize. No, no. Realize. And then I realized that it's a, it's actually a different show than I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, let's before you jump into that because I, that's gonna, I know, I know it's gonna yield to a lot more conversation. Yep. Let's start with um, the way they introduce character in this. Yeah. To, for for the pilot, so like it's so when you're writing a pilot, I think I think one thing when we when we we're writing these things, you have to be aware of the way that you're introducing all your characters. Obviously, you have mm-hmm. to do like a character web. You got to talk. You got to give your characters backgrounds, and like we said in the last episode, you got to outline everything. <laughs> you got to outline your yes. your episode before you get started. You should pretty much know. And and, and Kira Kira Jones, who came and did the uh, the feature. And, and was our guest host and for Abbott Elementary, which you could go listen to that one as well. Uh, she she talked about how when she is building out her show because she's doing half hour comedies, she doesn't do anything past the ep- past the first episode. Um, she kind of doesn't know what's happening after that, uh, par- probably because it's a, a more episodic uh, format. But for dramas and dramedies and things like that, and this is a half hour dramedy, uh, I think it's a good idea to be able to know what's going on with your characters beyond just that first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the way that you introduce those does matter because it informs the way they're going to behave uh, or change throughout the entire series. So mm-hmm. um, and this one, I guess we'll, we'll jump into that. Yeah, well, I'm going to start first with Bear, who 
in all intents and purposes, I believe is our protagonist and is the hero mm-hmm. of our of our story. Um, and and we we understand this because like the the first character we get it starts off with a wonderful kind of like drone shot of the entire reservation and we get little kind of segments of the bits and pieces of the, of the town as well as we have this like uh, voiceover kind of happening that's basically talking about the town and the first character that we see is actually bear waking up and he wakes up he scratches his head and he goes and he sits and he and he he then holds his head before he actually stands up um, and then we also get a wonderful shot of his room in which we see all these like different kind of character things about him, these little quirks that he has, his, mm-hmm. you know, his his posters and his the books that he's reading and how mess, messy his room is. Like, right. we're immediately thrust into like who this kid is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important because we start off with Bear, but then when as we get into the Reservation Dogs as a crew, they're all the rest of them are all introduced as one group. But Bear right. is introduced separately. Mm-hmm. And I think that was intentional because uh, you can't, if if we didn't get that first shot of him, we wouldn't know who was our the leader of the pilot or leader right. of the show, of the series. Uh, because that next scene, when we see the, the kids, the gang, so to speak, the person who's focused on, like, immediately is a Laura Dannon, mm-hmm. right? And she's kind of, like, almost uh, kind of placed in there as the leader of that gang mm-hmm. um but we see bear first so i think that's it's interesting to to place it there uh to to kind of show because because you have like only 23 four or five minutes yeah in this um this episode maybe 29 or something like that or screen time yeah you have to quickly establish who your protagonist is yeah yeah and doing it visually and doing it with that very quick shot yeah. instantly mm-hmm. like puts us like in in his shoes it instantly focuses on on him and even when they're in the group shot i find my eyes wandering towards him to check in Mm -hmm. with him you know um and he's oftentimes also like centered in the frame in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um or there's like the way the frame is kind of like structured it's the the composition will then drive your eye towards him at some kind of capacity you know mm-hmm. he's constantly we're constantly as as an audience and constantly as a camera checking in with bear to see like how is he dealing with what's happening yeah, yeah that's a good point because like if you establish it's funny because you you establish him as the protagonist but then you establish somebody else as the leader yeah uh, and so like it's the reaction to how bear feels about not being the leader right how how bear feels about how the leader is running things and it's, and it also like allows you as the audience member to like while giving equal screen time to another character who we need to introduce also mm-hmm. it allows us to hyper focus on all uh, the the knowledge of who who's the leader of the show right so we can kind of balance out you're able to balance out the introduction of these characters you know right 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 right. absolutely absolutely and then speaking of the other characters we we then get wonderful like idiosyncratic things that happen between them you know so um the other member of the group willie jack um me and me and colin when we were talking about this way way back when we thought that willie jack's like quintessential line is while they're still in the truck willie jack's saying like wait i'm stopping and waiting my mom is calling you know like like her like taking the time in the middle of a high-speed chase to like call her mother is (laughs) is indicative of who this character is as we kind of continue to kind of move forward and then you're going to notice like in through the course of the entire season all willie jack's entire arc is about 
her family. It's about connecting to her family and about establishing right. her place within her family. Right, um, right. And you right. lay those seeds of that foundation with a simple line way, 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 way in the beginning. That could also be thrown away almost yeah. have we not the the bulk of the season to carry us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then uh, as you move on and during this introduction, introduction, by the way, they're stealing a truck of what's called flaming flamers, which I believe is some kind of like a fake version of Taki Taki's hot Cheetos, all that kind of <laughs> stuff, which is like a teenage staple. But uh, it's also that it's also a brown people thing. You know what I mean? Like it 100 like, is. Yeah. For them to be stealing like a hot something or other, you know, like hot, like for them, for the equivalent of them stealing hot fries. That's like nigga right. shit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> nigga shit, Mexican shit, damn Filipino shit. You know, we're all brothers and sisters out here in America. <laughs> we <laughs> all to make it. We all like fake hot corn things. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but we do. Actually, I do know what it is. Like, we just like seasoning, man. <laughs> we like our shit seasoned. A little extra season, bro. But nah. So, so they're stealing this truck, right? It's a hilarious scene, and it and it does it does uh, establish the world and establish, obviously establishes the plot of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're stealing a the truck, and they they tell us why uh, as they move on. We again, they 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 roll up on the the uh, meth head. Uh, uh, zombie apocalypse to sell their truck to a bunch of white folks and l- let's also say this these are we didn't even establish that these people are natives they're in indian territory uh what's called what was called indian territory in the past and now is a um, reservation in oklahoma mm-hmm. and uh so when you see the white folks they feel like otherworldly they feel like they don't belong and yep. um and we, we referred to them last time as parasites. I think right. that you so aptly have referred to them as parasites. Right. Right. It's uh, what's fascinating about them is like they you can see that you can see the the insularness of this town. You can see like how um, how important like this community is in terms of its own kind of culture and own kind of like uh, uh, language with each other but then you see mm-hmm. these also not I want I don't want to say invading outside forces but you can see how the outside also kind of bleeds into the town um, through you know things like the 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 way that they the the clothes that they wear the music that they listen to even you know some of the slang that they use but then in particular with these kind of these like white folks you know what I mean who are essentially like leeching off the town they are they are the only way that this white community can sustain itself it seems to be if like things are stolen from the community and then given to them <laughs> you know That's and the so ironic it's so ironic <laughs> and then the very first thing that they do when they get said stolen things we're jumping ahead but get said right. stolen things is then strip the stolen thing of all the things that it's worth until it's nothing that's left of it is just kind of the skeleton of what it is and whether or not that's intentional or not as like a metaphor for America <laughs> I do that's not know that's for us to do it's that's for, us. for us to that's for the yeah. analysis the an- analysis the, the people who analyze it to do right right uh, exactly and I, and I would say yes <laughs> but that's why that's also why we me and Colin love this show so much this is a it's a quick 23 minute uh, a pilot and every time I watch and I've watched this pilot like I mean five or six or seven times and every time I watch mm-hmm. it I find something different I find something new 
you know yeah and i did something different this time too actually um when we when i was doing the analysis because we had already kind of gone through this and watched it many times done mm-hmm. the notes and all that I, I decided to actually do a kind of like a scene breakdown a little bit actually yeah. just bro- i wrote down like what scenes happened when and actually how many scenes were in the episode because yeah. i'd watch something random random little side for those screenwriters again you'll you might enjoy this but i watched something it was actually from who was the writer who i want to say it was god who who did erase her head oh quick, david lynch brains thank you david lynch on on um i believe it was on instagram and he was talking about like how do you write a film and he was just like of course his crazy ass would be like he's just like you, t- you take some note cards you write down 70 scenes when you get 70 scenes you have a feature film and then you turn it into a movie. And I thought that was really interesting and kind of inspired me in a way because it kind of broke it down into simple terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I did for this one is kind of like figured out, okay, what's, how many scenes are in this? So if I was doing note cards for a half hour, mm-hmm. how many would I need to be able to achieve that 30, that 30 page kind of like goal, you know, mm-hmm. what you're trying to get to. I got to about, I want to say 13 scenes. Okay. Some of them had like, extra scenes attached to them but i kind of broke it down um but yeah so like in that scene where we're where they're selling it we when they're selling the truck that third scene no Mm -hmm. second scene in that second scene um that's when we kind of find out who they are like we kind of we've established like something about each each of these characters personalities Mm -hmm. but we don't know who they are and we get their names we kind of get some more of their personality we find out some of those dynamics some of those dynamics that we're going to see throughout the series right uh found that really interesting and also yes we see the dynamic between the native peoples and then the white people that live there um and uh we're we're to to our all of our knowledge besides another white person that we see later on they are like the only ones that we're gonna continue to see uh, right. potentially uh throughout the series right 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 absolutely absolutely and we also we miss one character uh which is also kind of ironic that we that we he's the last one that we hit because he his entire arc seems to be um one of of one of oftentimes people overlook him and mm-hmm. when they overlook him they don't kind of quite realize like how deep and how quintessential he actually is to maintain the group right. maintain the community and this is cheese and right. cheese doesn't really speak uh all that often until we get one scene uh, until we get to that third scene and he's sitting there and one of the methods comes up to him and Cheese introduces uh, himself, and this has been, and this introduction I think is gonna go down as probably one of the more famous ones of the early 2020s because Cheese says, "Hi, my name is Cheese. My pronouns are he, him, his," right. which is which is a quintessential like like <laughs> Gen Z. It feel, but it also feels like a millennial, which I think Sterling Harjo is. I think he's our generation, like a millennial mm-hmm. trying to like. <laughs> also talk about a gen zier um right right, but also it also endears it endears us to cheese because cheese has the empathy and the and the um self-awareness not only to introduce himself but also introduce who his pronouns are and then leave the rooms like leave the space for his for the person he's talking to the to do the same Um, right and and the thing go ahead go ahead go uh, ahead who who then introduces himself as I'm a Native American. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. A white man, by the way. A white man, yes. Yeah, clearly. And he's just like, cool. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, nah, cheese is interesting because he's he's probably it's funny when 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 we talk about TV shows and we um especially in comedy what we've no what I've noticed and I think we both noticed especially like uh, especially when we got the the genius Keir Jones to kind of explain some of the kind of the tenets of of comedy writing when it comes mm-hmm. to TV is like you take a character and you take like the their fatal flaw or whatever mm-hmm. and then you blow it up to the extreme mm. and so a lot of times that puts them in a place of where they are like self-serving or and and not too likable but you find something endearing about them mm-hmm. or um so so usually i find in this show it's funny because your your main characters are more like that than than their your side characters cheese is like the most self-aware one the, right. the one who's like probably the best of them the best of the group Right, 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 right. And then, and then your main characters are the ones who are like who who fall into the extreme of whatever their their fatal flaw is. Right, right. And the, but there also seems to be and and a and a love for you know like those who are out there who are writing and listening. Like, please, like, hit us up in the comments. Hit us up mm-hmm. in like our Instagram page so that way we can talk about this. And I would love to hear from somebody if they have uh, uh, a stronger opinion about this. But it also seems sure. like the fatal flaw, especially because this is a dramedy, it can't be. It can't be like, um, for example, uh, what we do in the shadows, where it seems like those are almost caricatures of their vulnerabilities you know what i mean like mm-hmm. yeah it, it has to be scaled back a little bit so that way there can be comedy but then there also can be moments of like tragedy and moments of right you know of groundedness you know it yeah it, it yeah. can't be it can't be far far to the extreme in order right. to be able to to maintain that drama aspect aspect of it right um so it's not a hard comedy you know um which which also allows you when you when you can kind of like uh, forgive the phrase like rock your audience to sleep a little bit during mm-hmm. the drama moments you can hit them with that them jokes every once yes. in a while yes. uh you know what i'm saying so um yeah and i think cheese it's funny because cheese being self-aware because of the world that he lives in him, him his self-awareness and his kind of understanding of his emotions is funny in this world yes because nobody understands it and so he kind of represents the extreme opposite of some of his other counterparts and mm-hmm. they accept him anyway and that's yeah. the that's kind of the irony in the uh the comedy that we find in the show you know yeah and what's also dope about this this uh this pilot in particular and this the story in particular is the fact that like any one of the reservation dogs could have been the lead you could have like focused like you could have done a show where it's cheese because cheese's self-awareness is so palpable and so understanding that he could have been an audience surrogate you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh the show spoiler alert but the show ends with a a speech from willie jack and so if willie jack was the one who woke up in the morning and we followed her through this you know that also would make sense or a laura story which is essentially more tied to what the the pilot is saying the the show is is which is about people leaving um that's like kind of like not that's kind of like the trick that the pilot is playing on us mm-hmm. um alora does actually end up leaving and so like if you wanted a story about people actually leaving you center it on alora but mm-hmm. you end up centering it on bear and when you center it on bear as your protagonist the entire story then shifts and change and the theme and the message of the story like what the show is actually trying to tell us changes because it's actually bear and not any of the other three yeah man this show is really really great i mean for those 
those who are just kind of going to watch the pilot because we are covering it. That's awesome. For those who are watching, listening to this because they've watched this show before but haven't finished it, please finish it. I'm telling you, it is worth your time. Yeah. Like it goes it goes deep. And if you're if you're kind of hearing it the way we're kind of analyzing it, you'll see some interesting things thematically that right. will uh, really kind of change the way you understand it. Uh, if you haven't seen it that way before, yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's uh kind of move on. Yeah, I guess to... you got some, I got something for you. I want something that, that came up while I was watching. Mm-hmm. It's it's this idea of the hidden call to action. Okay. So it seems like all right. So we're both under in agreement that bears are our protagonists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. from what I can tell, like the at his actual call to action, since he is our protagonist, doesn't happen until minute thirteen when he has his uh his inner his when he meets uh uh, william knife man who is his kind of spiritual kind of guide you know uh so a bit of a recap you know uh this is right after bear is is shot with paintballs and he passes out and he wakes up in kind of the spirit world and this character named william knife man shows up riding on a horse and he, William Knife Man is dressed as a stereotypical uh, Indian warrior. to something that you'll see in like a John Wayne's John Wayne kind of movie. And they end up having kind of a, a, a conversation. And in that conversation, I believe that William gives Knife Man gives Bear his call to action. Mm-hmm. And he basically essentially says after like, you know, some funny shit. He basically says, um, he says, what are you going to do for your people? Right. Mm -hmm. And it's that line. What are you going to do for your people that then as we watch the show continue, we see it radically affect bear. Yep. You know, Um, and but it's it's not like his call to action isn't so plain. I remember us watching suits and we literally have a character saying, I need to change my life. You know what I mean? I got to get my life changed. Or we have another Mm -hmm. character saying, I'm going to teach that person empathy. Like literally Mm -hmm. like what the call to action is, is so like telegraphed, clear. clear. But this, it is elusive both to bear and to us. We don't exactly Mm -hmm. know what that means. What are you going to do for your people? Until we watch the entire show and we realize what bears decision that, that he makes. And we realize like, Oh, that's what was, that's what was meant all the way back when. Right. And you have to take the entire series for him to learn it. And that's yes. that's something that um, I think we as we as TV writers need to remember too. early TV writers is that like for a movie, it's the two hours that you spend. You, you give them the call to action, mm-hmm. them every, you know, whatever your main character is at, at the beginning, the call to action. And they spend the entire movie fighting against it until they accept that this is what they need to do mm-hmm. and then and then they come to self-realization at the end the series when and, it, and that's the great thing about i think when you have a three series run um mm-hmm. a three three season run is you can you can wrap it up and you can actually do just that you can have you can have that character especially with that strong and that deep thematically of a call to action learn all these things throughout this series in a super entertaining and interesting way and then wrap it up at the end with all four of them uh kind of finding that right well and also what i love about that too is the fact that like we have expectations i think we talk you know we so what happens with this show in particular is like sterling harjo is so uh film literate 
And so, like, constantly throughout the entire show, there are so many references that are being made to other films and other projects to the mm-hmm. point that we as an audience member then have expectations placed upon mm-hmm. us. You know what I mean? So we under, we've seen these shows before. We've seen a show about a bunch of kids living in a, in a, in a town and their whole, you know, journey is escaping the town. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And we've seen that. And so we have an expectation of, like, where that's going to go right Mm -hmm. and then what ends up happening is that the show constantly subverts us in those expectations and so like these kids need to go they need to leave the town and da 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 but actually what bear's call to action is is actually staying in the town and being a member of the community Mm -hmm. you know yeah so like so like that fake call to action is like the one that you find at the very beginning and it's the one that we latch on to like because we have expectations as an audience member right we latch on to and it's like get as much money as you can so we can get out of here right so we can move away because daniel is dead and yes. and daniel uh this place killed him and right. that was another thing when when i did when i watched it this time around i thought about like the story we tell ourselves the story yeah. we tell ourselves that was the thing that this show kept reminding me of like in in the story that they kept telling themselves and they convinced themselves of is there as a group, their fatal flaw. And right. that is Daniel's dead because this place killed him. That's the, right. lie, That's the lie. You know, um, yes. this place killed him. So it's, and they keep on saying it. I'm not going to leave. I'm fucking getting out of here. This place killed Daniel and it's not going to kill me. That's what a right. kept on saying. Right. Um, so in a way, in a way, um, crazy enough, this is kind of a crazy take. And if I'm reaching, let me know. It's like our Lord <laughs> Dannon is like the antagonist to oh, yeah. bear in this pilot. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A because, because they, they both, they both have conflicting wants. And unlike like other instances where like, you know, you have your protagonist and your antagonist and they both want the same thing. It's actually the thing that is putting them in the conflict is the fact that they they both have immense love for each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what ties the two of them together. And right, even though respect. Yeah, and even though Bear his want is actually in his in his subconscious and in his spirit to stay in the community, and Alora's want is actually to leave the community because the two of them are tied as brother and sister essentially, and they feel like they're one unit. That's what's, and they feel like they they can't make a step without the other one. That's what mm-hmm. cre- that's what creates the conflict for the two of them. You know. Yeah, that's really awesome. I mean, the more I talk about it, the more I really like this pilot. Oh yeah. Um, so I can go ahead and say it's to me, it's a great pilot. Um, <laughs> we already know it's a great show, but. Um, no, the more I talk about it in this way, the more I realize it is a really, really great pilot. Yeah. That's, a, that's an awesome point, too, because when you when you create a a group of friends, like there's so many things they could do. Like there's so many things when with uh, with tropes like this, when you have mm-hmm. like a group of teen, teen kids that you could do that they do all the time, like, ooh, somebody's somebody messes up and they're going to hate that guy and they're going to mm-hmm. extricate him and he's got to find his way back. Like you see it in like stranger things. Mm-hmm. You see it in like a lot of other, other, other things. And that's like, a, I mean, it, not to say it's easy, it's still entertaining, mm-hmm. but this show doesn't do that type no. of stuff. I mean, there may be a couple of episodes where that kind of thing happens where, you know, somebody falls out, but that's not like a major plot point in right. a show like this it's really really grounded in that theme of community and really really grounded right. in that theme of like family and family no matter what and we're going to find our way back to each other um, right even if we find conflict right i mean we we start off our first the first character that we see 
in the pilot is Bear waking up alone, and then the very last shot that we see at the end of the of the of the show is the four of them arm in arm walking off into the distance. And mm-hmm. so, like it it is so much about the community. It is so much about these four people together. And even though we have been taught that, like, okay, this is about you know this handsome young man and him becoming a leader, we actually realize as the show goes on it's not about him becoming a leader it's actually him Mm-mm. becoming a uh, a member of the community and yeah, those like peace. yeah and those kind of subversions also what had, what ends up happening when you make those kind of subversions is that it doesn't the show doesn't get preachy you know what mm-hmm. i mean i think they have one moment <laughs> in the pilot that that cheese says uh where he says like one in five uh, uh <laughs> yeah. indian men are suffer from depression yeah, <laughs> but he says it in such like an off the cuff way and kind of under yeah. his breath that mm-hmm. it's clearly like they're clearly like making fun of like these like real preachy kind of like moments that happen in you know in TV shows that about oppressed uh, minority groups. Right, it's a joke. Like I say, like all the all the the self awareness that Cheese comes with is played for laughs as the extreme of like the characters like you know and again you're you're right like they're definitely poking fun at some of that preachy stuff because while making a statement they want to make sure this stuff is still being entertaining which is why like the other preachy part where where uh william knife man shows up he delivers like and i'll say it's my coldest line already since we've already gone there Um, i know it's kind of out of order but um but when he delivers that line about what are we going to do for your people? We fought and died for our people. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm meant to travel the spirit world, find lost souls like you. The spirit world, it's cold. My nipples are always hard. I'm always hungry. Got it. Being a warrior, it's not always easy. You and your thuggy ass friends, what are you doing for your people? It's easy to be bad. It's hard to be a warrior with dignity. Remember that. In my time, we gave everything. We died for our people. We died for our land. What are you going to do? What are you going to fight for? Ah! Ah, I'm just fucking with you. But for real, though, listen to what I said. Marinate on that. I hope. Let's go. It's... It's like a moment. It's a moment of like tonal shift wrapped up in like a bunch of humor. So that's why it kind of like it throws you off in terms of being an audience member searching for a a real call to action. Yes. Because once it's done, you just remember that you laughed. You You don't remember that you just received like the real call to action for your your protagonist yeah and that's the power of that's the power of the dramedy is that you know the way that you get people to to empathize and the way that you get your audience to actually like feel something is if they're going if they're whiplashing between emotions you know what i mean like i remember watching the the memorial that they have feeling extremely moved you know, mm-hmm. but the only way that we get and that the memorial is not played for laughs at all. It's taken mm-hmm. very, very, very seriously. But it's also bookended by something that was pretty funny. And then at the end, with them walking away after the memorial, is bookended by something that's pretty funny. I mean, even the last line of the show is Cheese saying like, "I'll call me Mister Camouflage." 
Which, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. How Which many is, movie references are there in this? I mean, oh man, I think we got. You want you want like to try to Willow? try to go through? Yeah, it? let's try. Let's try. All right. Uh, first one I believe is is Willow. Wow. And are we going to be overt? Overt ones are like visual references because we, that would we're going to try to get difficult. as many as we can. We're going to miss. Okay, some. <laughs> I know because I can, I can't. I'm sure I missed a bunch, but I mean Willow <laughs> one. I know Platoon two. Obviously Reservoir Dogs three. That's that's all I can come up with right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's still a lot for a 22 minute show. I say Goonies. Um, I say there's a reference Goonies. To Goonies. Yeah, sure. Goonies. Um, yeah, I say that like, cause was did um did uh uh, uh did the guy who did Atlanta, uh, the director? Oh man, Donald Glover? No, not Donald Glover. Uh, what's his name? He's the G, the OG, not the OG. He's not old. He's like our age. You're losing me. You're losing me. <laughs> Gotta give me another reference. I can get it if you give me another reference. You know, All right, you know, we got we got we got the internet pulled. I'm gonna pull this up. Yeah, uh, pull it up. Uh, uh, and we're gonna cut this. Uh, yeah, we might could. We might cut. We might we might cut right to when I Oh, here I'm alright. Actually find it. Oh yeah, yeah. Here I'm alright. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yep. he has something to do with this show, I think. Yeah, like that dude his that dude's visual style is like what everybody's searching for. I think Beef was. I think he was a part of Beef too. I think he's been a part of like almost everything of like the last like ten, fifteen years. I mean, he's he is he's by far one of my favorite directors, kind of period. Right. Um, but even then, I think there's like the way this thing is this uh, reservation dogs is shot. I think there's references to Atlanta and a lot of that. You know oh yeah. What I mean? Yeah, it's got it's got the definite feel of Atlanta, that, and and that's and it's funny because like Atlanta is really a, in a way it's a very quintessential show. Yeah, um, another one we should do, but it's strange. The pilots aren't normal, but anyway, I you know I, I got a theory, right? What's that? Uh, my theory is Reservation Dogs, Atlanta, and Twin Peaks are all in the same universe. I've not watched Twin Peaks, so I can't really fully follow that reference. <laughs> well, I'd love hit, to hear what you th- how, how it connects. Okay, because uh, Donald Glover has said that Atlanta and Twin Peaks are in the same universe. He said that. Now, whether <laughs> whether or not David Lynch actually agrees with that right. statement, <laughs> <laughs> just like what you can't just. I mean, I know I know David Lynch's work, and I know um, Atlanta is is a definitely an Afro surrealism like icon uh-huh. of a piece of art uh-huh. um so i mean of course it's referencing it probably in any in every way that you see all these surrealist uh elements um <laughs> but to say it's in the same universe is kind of funny to me well i think uh, some of it some of it is the way it's shot uh the way that reservation dogs is shot um the it's it's like very kind of like even though the show is pretty funny and the community in itself is full of life the way that it actually shot it it seems like very uh unsaturated similar to Atlanta. um the oh, yeah. magic the magic realism in the show um can borderline on the surrealism that we see in Atlanta. and actually big during when big has his confrontation with the reservation dogs big actually introduces this idea that the magical and the surreal elements that are happening is something that's out of the ordinary something has shifted and something has changed in this world because big that's says right. like all these things that are starting to happen is you know i i'm paraphrasing but 
right it, things right. have changed so yeah. and yeah. He, and then he does have in that little cut scene at the end he does have he does experience one of those like strange things he was talking about when he finds right. the fishes in the, in the grass at the very end right 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 um so i mean I, i'm i'm willing to go with you on those i don't know about the twin peaks one but i can definitely go with you on atlanta and uh and reservation dogs being in the same universe i can 100 percent see it i just like i just like making things all in the same universe just like we oh, yeah. did with the shy and the bear the shy you- and the bear yeah 100 <laughs> yeah i love it um do we have any more character introductions uh big we should talk about a little bit uh big's introduction is hilarious like if you want to if okay if if what is big he's a hapless cop who is a community he's he's really a community leader and a a Mm -hmm. very very important member of the community he means the best um and uh everything he does kind of shows all of that so like we the first introduction of him we see he's kind of in his car like bullshitting on his phone watching uh-huh. about looking about like uh, youtube videos of like the what the assassination of kennedy yes <laughs> uh as the flaming flamers truck like rides by right in front of him like he should have e- easily seen this uh-huh. um but he missed it of course um so i mean you know you kind of see you know what he's interested in he's right. not really good at his job um but it doesn't really matter you kind of almost like him right away yeah, yeah 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 you get and i mean the the actor who who plays him uh zan mclaren is is utterly fantastic in terms, and and he's an og like he's been doing movies and tv yeah. forever um so he knows exactly what he's doing like when we watch big like we're immediately endeared to this guy i mean even the way that uh he uh zan is uh idiosyncratically like looking at the video is like <laughs> with his mouth half hanging open and his eyes kind of squinting at it is is so like clear like you know who this guy is like you know i see my uncle right. <laughs> right you know what i mean so and he it, can't wait and that's the kind of uncle that can't wait to tell you about that damn video he just oh, yeah. watched like he's watching it just so he can like collect enough information to share it with somebody else. right like, it's like he's watching it because he's going to be the one to figure out who killed kennedy yeah and then he's going <laughs> to wait for the awkward moment of silence at some kind of family gathering to bring it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah i love i love that and it's also it's all visual it's not we don't hear somebody say like oh you know big's really into conspiracy theories yeah and you, big, know? you know oh uh big, oh big's right there don't worry about big he's not paying attention anyway he's not a good cop he sucks no mm-hmm. you know uh so it is it like this this show again like I think this conversation again, more than the one that we had before is kind of showing me that this one is the, this is a one to study for sure. Yes, I know you're absolutely. doing a half hour dramedy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are you, trying, are you I'm done trying one? to? Okay. Yeah. So you, you doing that half hour dramedy, you gotta be really paying attention to this. Yes. one. Yeah. Like what? So I'll say, um, and for you and the other screenwriters writing something similar to this, what are you, what are you getting from this? What is like your main takeaway and something that you, you know, you really want to kind of focus on. The big thing for me is the way that you introduce the world and the way you introduce characters and that you can, Mm -hmm. you can actually, you can actually spend a lot more time in the pilot, giving space and room to allowing characters to be introduced. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like 
they allow i mean they don't get into the call of action for bear until minute 13 Mm -hmm. um and yet we still even after minute 13 we still have exposition dumps even after that to continue Mm -hmm. to flesh out the world you know you don't have to rush through it um you can you really and you should allow you should allow to take time because it's teaching your audience how to watch the show you know right right it's it's like and and what i'm noticing and i'm glad we're Thank you, Elijah, for coming on this journey with me on the episode one show. I'll say that because it really is like I like I like talking with people about this that are really uh, fascinated and passionate about it. And I know you are as I am. But it also just kind of helps spark some of these things in your mind right. uh, that you weren't thinking about before. And I think one thing I've noticed from doing this uh, pot, this this podcast is like when you when you watch this, a lot of pilots do a lot of they have a really great plot. The plot is super, mm-hmm. super, super important. Um, and they use that plot to to um, to introduce these characters and to kind of really build them out. Mm-hmm. They're not really focusing on... Um, I mean, it, it, it's just interesting, especially with something like this. Like, the, the plot for this doesn't really matter. Like, no. at the end of it, the plot didn't really matter. It just kind of, like, set up what these characters are, their journey right. that they possibly will go on. Um, but I mean, as for as people who've seen the show, the entire series, we know it goes way beyond what right. what we what we're seeing right here. And it's so much fun, like so much fun this series. Right. But also like you you, you also they start layering things like uh, 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 they layer in with Big. He mentions uh, he mentions the dear lady uh, who mm-hmm. becomes extremely important as and the Fixico. show. And Fixico, who the who I just the, caught that one. Yeah, me time. too, me too. And it's like because I was like, I was like, why do we end with Fisico's death? That doesn't make any sense. Like, why do we end mm-hmm. with Fisico burying? And then I'm like, oh, Fisico was actually introduced literally in, in like paid in the pilot in like minute mm-hmm. ten, you know. Yeah. And it, that's and, and that but all, that also makes the exposition feel alive and organic, and that it doesn't feel like I'm receiving. Uh, information dumps it feels like these are actual people talking to each other and i've and i have stumbled upon their uh their lives you know what i mean right it's like we got to simplify the plot a little bit yeah like simple don't make the plot too complicated just let it be a vehicle for introducing your characters right. like making your audience care about your characters yes use the plot to use the plot and everything that happens in the plot to be a fun way to introduce and endear your characters to your audience yes and to your reader your first readers um because obviously like when you're writing a script you're you know it's not it's not going to get made for years people are going to read it a hundred times before um it gets made so like that's the other part of it um yeah yeah that's something i have to remember <laughs> it always it's, it's feels a, like it's about reading yeah it's a yeah, reading it's about, medium for, yeah. for for the first years first and couple the, years and the yeah and as you're saying it's going to take years i think it took sterling harjo years to get this done and mm-hmm. you can't like you, you you shouldn't feel the pressure to like get things churned out and done and finished they things will finish when they when they finish there's mm-hmm. one other character sorry to this to segue but i before i don't think we should miss this character before we Mm -hmm. because we should take a break here in a second um i think that we we have to talk about how bear's mom is introduced i was just thinking that oh man it's so sweet it's so lovely and it's also just like it it 
it illuminates both bear and illuminates his mother um mm-hmm. the fact that like she's so she's introduced she's in the bath she's in the bathroom she's putting on makeup and she's singing don't go chasing waterfalls <laughs> 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 which does Who so many so there's layers and layers of this what is what is what does her singing dog chase go chasing waterfalls do well one it shows like oh wow r&b and hip-hop is very important in this community it goes right. to this is a woman singing about don't go chasing waterfalls who has an ex an ex boyfriend who also is out looking for a currently looking for a boyfriend and then if you know her story is she ends up going and leaving to actually you know become to like grab a hold of her life to actually like you know feel some sort of uh agency in her own life and that whole song Mm -hmm. is about finding agency (laughs) (laughs) and also uh she gets mentioned by by big earlier and they make fun of him because they're like big is trying to hit on your mama Uh and we all know there's always some fine mama in the neighborhood (laughs) you know what i mean and you know there's always somebody that got a fine mama Uh that somebody has to say something about right um in in my life it was actually a lot of girls like my daddy and that was that was that was the thing and it was really uncomfortable well you, your dad is a handsome man let's just say that yeah yeah he's, yeah yeah he colin like, is just like your dad but you you you're not as handsome colin uh, colin for those who are like listening and and this isn't you're not seeing this colin looks visibly uncomfortable right now yeah, I'm literally <laughs> holding myself. I'm a little cold, but but yeah. No, I was it was a little uncomfortable back there. So but but I say this to say when you see his mom, you see why. Yeah. <laughs> you see why. Um but anyway, uh just side note. But uh no. That, so she's getting ready. You're you're actually you're you're like, man, she's looking good. She she's about to go out. Hopefully she does find herself a little a little boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But it also like shows it's a little bit world world building too, because he comes in and he asks he's like, I gotta use the bathroom. She's mm-hmm. like, Go outside immediately. So mm-hmm. we, we know right then, like, you know, one, they only got one bathroom in that house. Mm-hmm. Um and then two, like it's not uncommon for him to have to go pee outside. It's not like it just shows like that something else is pressing on them. Right. That um that that poverty that kind of uh, inspires them to go him to go steal and not feel too bad about it. Mm-hmm. And and also one thing he does do, which I didn't notice until like the third or fourth time watching, was he puts when he when he, he before while he hears his mom like getting ready. He sneaks and puts money in yeah. her 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 uh her purse, um in her wallet, which is like the li- literally the opposite of what happens in any other of these show movies. like this, yep. right? Any team movie, what do they do? They're like, oh, I gotta leave if I'm leaving for L.A. What do I do? I'm gonna steal from my mom because right. I'm a little ne'er do well. So it shows like that character. It builds out Bear's character more because it shows not only is he's a loving son he wants his mom to to live a better life mm-hmm. but he's also willing to uh betray his friends and the entire right. reason why they were put on this mission to go out to la uh, right. to do it he'll he'll betray his f- friends for his mom right and you also and this is and that happens before bear's call to action and so all of a sudden like bear still has within him uh, this drive and this desire to be a member of a family, a member of a community that he doesn't, he's actually lying to himself when he says like, I want to leave. Mm-hmm. He, every bit of his action is, is, is in an effort to be a member of his community. And we were talking about this with suits 
being like a coincidence like when does a plot coincidence happen when is a coincidence when it's not a coincidence mm-hmm. and we had a big issue when it came to mike and mike showing up at the hotel and suddenly deciding like oh i'm gonna be a lawyer because we didn't hear or see mike want to be a lawyer up until that point mm-hmm. well when bear has this call to action and william Knifeman is telling him like you need to do something for your people it all of a sudden makes a lot more sense because we've watched Bear do things for his people up until that point. Whether or not mm-hmm. Bear is articulating what Bear is doing, whether or not Bear is even aware of what Bear is doing, we as an audience see that, so it doesn't seem like that call to action is coming out of nowhere. That's true, that's very true. So, And they do that, again, the scene with Bear and his mom is scene number five, we get the gang confrontation and the spiritual awakening soon after that in scene, scene seven. Mm. So, like, we're you're right. Like, we're watching him. He's everything he's doing up to that point. He's telling Laura Dannon to put on her seatbelt. So mm-hmm. he's not really a he's not a real gangster when he's stealing the truck. He's he's scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's and, a great. And, that was a great scene. And the Laura Dannon, yeah. Laura Dannon, when she she goes she goes how is it's like this is supposed to be badass? How is it badass if I'm wearing a seatbelt? <laughs> Like, yeah, like, you know what I mean? So he's like, is it cool for you to get smashed through the windows? <laughs> you know, windshield? You know, he's like Mr. Safety. You know what I mean? So like everything, you're right. Like everything up to that point, he's like, he's trying to, he, 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 he's fighting against this, this notion that they need to leave. Like he, again, it's the lie they're telling themselves. Like we, you know, this place killed him. He right. says it in his video, like in his little his little video introduction, which was also a really cool way to yeah. introduce the gang and like yeah. the world too. Like I think we never really see them in school again. I don't think. Um, yeah, not that I after remember. this, but it was kind of cool. One, it was like another. T- I didn't re- I didn't remember this, but the white teacher, she was terrified and horrified by this video, <laughs> and it kind of showed that like. Even in his school, he's kind of like they're him and Willie Jack are just cut ups, you know. Yeah, but even still, like they weren't doing anything that was like remotely. I mean, unless no. there was more to this video that we don't see, they I don't. Mean, they're they, throwing up the middle finger, but that's about it. Yeah, um, and they're like doing graffiti, but yeah. she looks so distraught. It's like it was almost like they were like doing lines in the, <laughs> in the video, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're just kind of they're being they're kids, and I think that's also like we talk about the comedy of the show, and like a lot of the comedy of the show is just the fact that these are children, and these are children being children, you know, mm-hmm. and and playing children games, and and it. I I don't know about you, but like when I was a kid, like yeah, these adventures that I would have, like I remember going like walking in my backyard and walking in the woods in my backyard and like preparing to like go on like a three four day adventure like having sandwiches <laughs> you know and flashlights and like yo fucking, man you know but uh, i'll be funny. out there for two hours <laughs> oh yeah we, it's so funny because me and um i was just thinking about this uh today because i i grew up or uh, a good portion of my my time as a youngster was at my grandma's house mm-hmm. uh, we moved in with her and um short story we went we in our backyard there was a little creek back there uh-huh. and there's like a little tree line you go back past there, there's a little creek in a tree and we found some like we found some like i don't even know like some two by fours that were oh. like covered in carpet and we went up we climbed up the tree and like nailed it onto the tree so like it looked like a seat uh-huh. like almost like a couch and we just called it a tree house it had no <laughs> covering whatsoever it just had a little place for us to sit down and uh-huh. like a little back thing for us to sit back on uh-huh. and we were like we're going to the tree house that's where we're gonna hang out y'all wanna go 
like three kids could go up there and we just yeah. loved it man like, and, they, and it just it did remind me of that time yeah and it's like it's like their it's like their clubhouse like their clubhouse is just some abandoned building and they put like which was couple, awesome by the way it was a dope clubhouse but then they yeah. also like they put like a couple folding chairs and they were like yeah this is this is our spot son like <laughs> yeah yeah made me miss that kind of kind of fun stuff yeah yeah well let's uh we are we are due for a break so we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be right back we got some we got some segments to get into we got a couple awards and we also need to do our elevator pitch slash log line for this show and we're back and we're actually we should we just just say this on the pod we were talking about like so here's some unsolicited advice for people who are hoping to like break into the industry and what to do when you're on set or what to do if you get a job and the big thing is just be a nice person yes yes i mean uh it's it's lucky for you to be on set and not to say like it's a privilege like you you have to be this type of person no um if you find yourself on set or if you find yourself wanting to get on set whenever that happens whatever part of the industry that you find yourself into work your hardest to to not only be like everybody said be valuable be valuable Mm -hmm. yes but part of being valuable, I think, is just being a good person who cares about the people that they work with, who's yep. like kind and and happy and pleasant. And sometimes you have to like work yourself up to get to that point mm-hmm. and uh, be excited about the work that you're doing because it can be long. Yeah, can be tiring. Yep. Elijah knows that. And oh, he did three yeah. seasons on a freaking television show. <laughs> um, I'm I'm doing my first TV show right now working on set and it's long hours and yep. it's not always fun and sometimes it's some BS yep. but that's not the people around you's fault. No, no. Uh, it's not even the it's not even the cast's fault. Nope. Everybody's trying to work and enjoy their time. They're doing it because we love it. Um and, or or we love we love being in t- entertainment. We understand right. the value of what it can what it can bring and that's part of what this podcast is about. And so like if you are listening to this and you're wanting to get into the industry um that's some good advice for you yeah yeah just be a nice person it's a long day for everybody but we're all here to tell stories because we all want to be storytellers and so just remember that and yeah and say good morning to people speaking of stories that's a good segue <laughs> for our abcs yeah and abc <laughs> stories abc story you might hear people refer to abc stories for those dropping into the episode one show this uh, segment we do where we kind of break down the three two or three stories that are kind of always the things that you're going to find mm-hmm. in the show they're, they're usually three separate stories one the a story is usually held by the protagonist mm-hmm. and um it's kind of like the main it usually gets the, the the most screen time and also the the b stories kind of cross it kind of bring drama to it mm-hmm. and then though the third story or fourth at times depending on how long your show is or you know the way that it's written um that third story that c story or d story usually is called a runner at times and that can be like a very short story that kind of leaves a story thread out there for the audience to be excited about moving forward in the series right so I so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was gonna ask you to to go ahead and do yours. I know you're gonna try to get me. No, 
I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, no. I was trying to. I was trying to pass the buck. You're like, what's up, Colin? No, no, no. All right, so I got to start. First, fuck. You're going first. Fuck. Well, this actually been a. This has been a pretty chase. We haven't been cussing that much. I think I used nigga once. I know. I know. We did pretty well. Suits. Suits. I was really bad. So like, I'm sorry for those. Like, I had a fever and I wasn't feeling. My brain wasn't really working. I said the f word like three, four, five times. I'm so sorry. If you really don't like that, like I'm sorry. Yeah, I was I was in rare form for, for that one. For that one. Anyway, so uh, my my a uh, my a story I would say is will the reservation dogs get enough money to go to California? I think that's the crux of like everything that the pilot is about because without. It's it's hard, and if I have any critique of this pilot, is actually the thing that I, I also commend this pilot about. It's doing so much exposition, it's doing so much info dumping, and there's not a lot of plot, and so, and there's only and nothing really. There's only like really one thing that gets resolved, and it's resolved in kind of a real fucked up way, and so like that's <laughs> why I'm saying, will the reservation dogs get enough money to go to California? It start the pilot starts off with that question. And it kind of leaves us off with that question because that's going to be the 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 story engine for the first season. Yeah, but I would I would reframe. I have the same one, mm-hmm. but I would reframe it in in and not place it as a question. Okay, I would I would just say it as a statement. Like the reservation dogs steal steal and sell things in order to get enough money to mm-hmm. go to California. Okay. Do they say California in the pilot? Am I missing? I think they said they Cal- actually they said California they stay- once. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um I I missed it somehow in the 70s. Or 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 they didn't cuz I have a habit of saying shit with conviction no. and being completely wrong. So <laughs> I, do too. I do too. I mean, I'm not saying that you I'm not saying that I like I wasn't trying to be sarcastic. I literally <laughs> could easily miss it. Um, but I'm just not sure because, like, I don't remember them saying it, but I've watched the entire show, so you know. Like, yeah, you know so where you they're know. trying to go. Yeah, we so know that, where they're going. that's the part that's, that's throwing me off. Um, but, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's mine, too. The A story I have with um, is, is, you know, the reservation dogs establish themselves as a legitimate gang as they as they beg borrow and steal mm-hmm. enough money uh to to be able to uh go to leave leave the reservation and so here's my, okay so i guess the question if like if we had sterling so i'm gonna i'm gonna manifest this one day we'll get sterling okay. harjo onto this pod and mm-hmm. when we do get sterling harjo onto this pod i'm gonna ask him there's a difference between like the this plot right this story which is the reservation jobs getting enough money to go to california but that's in direct contradiction and in conflict with bear's ultimate story which is bear learning how to become a community member and so as you're writing this like how aware are you that you're basically pulling the wool over the over both the character's eyes and the audience's eyes because we're understanding that we're gonna okay we're gonna watch these kids try to get to california you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, but secretly, we're actually going to watch these kids discover how to become community members, you know? I, I mean, I don't know the answer, but my guess is that you know it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, to, to me, like, the, the idea has to be, and again, I would love to hear, I haven't watched a lot of, or listened to a lot of interviews with him, but it's it's got to be the, the impetus 
from the beginning right. that these kids are not going to go anywhere um, and that and that you're purposefully pulling the wool over our eyes. I, I don't know how to do that. I think there's so many there's so many little tricks yeah. um, in storytelling that I'm trying to figure out, especially when it comes to like um, we talked about it in suits. And I know this is kind of off a little off subject, but just in the in the in the screenwriting realm. But like when you have to rely on coincidence, when you have to rely on like somebody having like a very, you know, a genius way of looking at the world, like right. how do you how do you find ways to to get the audience in and also like throw the audience off at the same time. Right, right. These little tricks. So, I mean, I, I just referenced suits in, in relationship to this and that like, yeah, we're, we're everything is everything that we understand. It's like, they just, they, again, rocking us to sleep. Right, right, right. <laughs> like he's saying, he's saying these kids are about to get a bunch of money. They're not going to let this gang uh, push them off their land. Right. They're going to protect this place. But while they're doing it, they're going to be getting enough money to leave. Right. Um, um, so, like, I, I totally thought that's what we were going to be watching. Right, right, right. right. I, I, the first time I saw this, you know. Right. How do you, how do you do it? And you're right. Like, if you do know, l- let me, let me answer it. This, well, let me add on to the question. If you do know, how do you do it? Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, if you do know that you're pulling the wool over the audience's eyes, how do you do it effectively? Or how do you, you know what I mean? Well, and I think it, I think it's, I think if we're looking at it structurally, I think what it is, so them getting to California, if if we look at like, you know, anatomy of a screenplay, screenplay, uh, uh, that kind of like idea behind it that, you know, you have the world, the the established world, and then you have the call to action, and the call to action then shifts the established world, right? It then shifts the established world for the protagonist, and the protagonist goes mm-hmm. on their journey. If we're looking at it like that, then them wanting to go to ca- California is the established world that is what is the the status quo that is happening and the when william knifeman gives bear his actual call to action therein lies a shift right mm-hmm. and all and what we also know about the hero's journey is that the hero also has to um push back against the call to action the hero has to deny the call to action that creates mm-hmm. conflict you know and so what actually we end up watching for this first season is bear actually pushing back against that to the point where right. they actually go to california and when they go right. to california they realize that actually this doesn't give me what i need it to give me i need to then go back in order yeah. to do the thing that i'm actually sought to do so yeah. I don't know, but no. That brings up a lot for me. <laughs> that brings up a lot for me, and the and it seem and it's I see kind of the brilliance of of that what you said too, because it's like the the false call to action is like the inherent um, refusal. Yes, like uh, the the initial call to action about going to California is like an inherent refusal. Yeah. to the the, the true call to action. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before, and I know, and I know, like. 
there's always in in film and television there's a, when there's a main character uh that goes on a traditional journey not all sh- shows work like that where mm-hmm. there's a protagonist going on a on a specific journey um but it functions similarly like a film there's like a world that you think that you're there's a there's a path that you think you're going to go on right. there's a way that you want to do uh and whatever and usually in that in that first 10 minutes first 10 pages what you what you state to be the thing that you want to do is usually the opposite so you can almost always like you can almost always uh like identify that if you're paying attention right like whatever they say they want to do whatever they say that they think they're going to do uh it's not going to happen the actual opposite is Mm going to happen Mm -hmm. and this one they do such a good job of of not letting you you know because they they're throwing they're layering all these tropes and all these uh expectations uh from other references and they're also throwing in the comedy and the comedy is like the perfect smoke and mirror like cloak and dagger yes um for it too so um man that's so interesting um it's, this is I, I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation. I mean, it's it is this is like that's why also like I'm gonna change my whether or not this is a good poll or not. That, and I, and I for, we'll get to it. Late. Well, no, let's do it now. Uh, <laughs> list, listening to the feedback and some of the feedback was we should stop saying we're gonna get to it because then we never get to it. <laughs> just get to it. That's why I said like the coldest line. I was like, I, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Look, we gonna we gonna get to it just like we're gonna get to the pilot Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> um, but it, it that's this is why I think this you're right when you're saying like this pilot needs to be studied because what they're doing is so complicated and difficult and I also think like what is really helping them is the fact that the characters are lying to themselves I was mm-hmm. watching I'm getting all my my screenplay uh, education from TikTok now because you you Gen Zers out there are, are shit. Do it, <laughs> do it. I say get it from wherever and then take whatever connects with you. Right. But somebody was saying that like it's it's very important when you're thinking about character to also think about not only what the characters say that they want but also the lies that the characters then tell. And mm-hmm. no, no, no. That wasn't that wasn't from TikTok. That was actually from. Um, uh, 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 that podcast, that screenwriting podcast that we love, uh, script notes, script notes. Yeah, that was from script or notes. screenwriters' life. No, no, Both script notes. Great. That was from script notes. So, so that's and so that's that's been ringing very true. I mean, these characters are they're not because these are good. These are really really good kids. We know that in our we know that from the core. They're not lying to each other, but they mm-hmm. are lying to themselves. And because they're lying to themselves that then creates dishonesty in the in their actions because their actions are oftentimes subconsciously in conflict with what they say that they want like for example bear putting money into his mother's purse you know mm-hmm. what i mean um or even like bear having his uh his guilt crisis when he discovers <laughs> The second black man in the town is now getting that kicked so out funny. of the because t- <laughs> he stole so their funny. truck. I oh, know. I love that scene. You want to talk about that scene? Yeah, yeah. Um, that scene to me, one one I really like that black dude because, and, and honestly, I, I really want to see if he's been in anything else because the dude seems hilarious. Yeah, he's funny. Like well. he seems like he's just a funny dude. Um, but anyway, they're they're at the the cat. They're, it looks like a convenience store where they cook catfish, which is also the best way, the best place to get fried chicken or or fish is at a convenience store. Take it from me, I'm from North Carolina. This is what, <laughs> and these, this is what I believe. You can't these, tell me otherwise. 
that's why I love this show. It's brown people. Like it's yeah. brown and you're looking at them and you're like, yeah, I know these people. I know these kids. Yeah. And like even though, you know, there's 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 of course there's a lot of different things and a lot of different politics and all this other kind of shit. But at the end of the day, like there are things that we also recognize. We recognize the flaming hot Cheetos. We recognize the fact that like fried fish and the best places to get fried fish and how much we love it like we get yeah. that you know what i mean it's it's at the it and the, and the black man is back there frying the catfish <laughs> the white man's at the counter and it's called rob and cleo's and they show rob is the white dude uh-huh. and, and, and and cleo's the black man making the fish. <laughs> um but that that scene uh just to just i won't go through the entire one but just uh talking about him getting that guilt uh, situation they they're sitting there uh this is after this is after bear has had a spiritual awakening and they're sitting there eating catfish and uh the black dude they recognize the black dude who uh the whose truck they stole mm-hmm. and he goes up to rob and clearly this black man is part of the community too and this mm-hmm. is part of the guilt as well like the black man's been there rob knows him really well they're talking about things and then then the black dude is just <laughs> he's like Man, it uh, couldn't get no worse for me. Um, we gotta we gotta stick the soundbite in there because it's too funny what he says. Yeah, we gotta put but, this um, whole scene in. <laughs> ultimately, he's talking about the hardships that he's experiencing in like the funniest way. And I I have to believe, and I gotta look at the script again. But I have to believe that this was improv because it's just too goddamn funny <laughs> what he's saying. It seems like it's just like ridiculously off the cuff, and um, and uh, Barry's just sitting there just feeling so terrible about it. And then like they have this little cut scene where the black man in his ear <laughs> like again that's part of like that surrealism and yeah that Aladdin in his own mind yeah and the dude's like in his ear saying oh yeah they gonna kick your ass when I catch you I'm gonna kick yo it's just so funny um but yeah that guilt ridden uh feeling that he had as, as he sat there and he and it changes his whole uh, demeanor and, yeah. his, and his friends notice it as well. They're like, "What's going on with this dude?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and that that so that's my offer for also the B plot is they try to get the truck back, you know, and because it's something that gets resolved in this episode, um, and the way that it's resolved is incredibly tragic because they go to get the truck back and the white folks have stripped the truck of all that it's worth, and it's literally just like wheels. <laughs> that that are left. Yeah. And the And that's the, it. And that's it. And the distraught that is on all of their face, even Alora's face, when you're like yeah. they have they were too late. And that's also that like it it is also what helps the show from not being so damn preachy. It's like yeah, there are consequences to their actions. So they go, they steal this truck. This poor black man has got diabetes and lost his wife and is going to kick out of the town. <laughs> and his foot. It's good. Yeah, he lost his foot. And so they're like, they're like, okay, we need to do the right thing, get the truck back, but it's too fucking late. <laughs> it's yeah. too fucking late. And, and so. That's my only problem with the, the, the pilot is that the black man gets, he's the, he bears the brunt of the consequences of these young young native kids actions and he still <laughs> loses his foot he does not get any resolution and it sucks for him well you know we there's a theory behind that about you know minority crabs in the barrel and minority groups who routinely turn on each other i mean we look at the la riots as an example of that and that's another that's a term that's a it, subject yep. for another podcast <laughs> it sure is it sure is i just feel bad for the guy that's all i want to ask sterling about him <laughs> i want to see him come back 
in the season in the series but yeah yeah in sterling's next season uh, series um okay so did you have any more uh c plots b plots no my my b plot was actually just um my b plot was was more it was it's it's actually an expansion on what you were saying it's more just it's more focusing on bear as a character Uh all along all along basically like um bear bear feels guilt for for the the actions that they took Mm -hmm. and and tries to make it right essentially like um that that's pretty much the only b plot that i see and then um the c plot if you want to say could be like um after the interaction with the the rival gang mm-hmm. they established their name as the reservation dogs yeah i hear that um i would also throw in the runner being the memorial for daniel because they mentioned that they say like oh it's been a year and we're getting ready for memorial and then we see the memorial um, mm-hmm. So I I would also argue that that's like a runner or a D thing in there too, but I mean that, I thought mm-hmm. yeah I was just gonna say that I, um I just love it was just a random aside about the way that they that they reference re- or, or reservoir dogs in that smart way yeah by yeah, yeah. dressing them up like you know I love when I love when you can make a kind of a ridiculous reference makes sense through plot yes um and i thought that was really cool yeah that was that was great yeah that was really great because they do look badass and they do look cool but they're they look badass and cool because not because they're trying to look badass and cool but because they're coming from a memorial right it's just like it's such a sweet way to like establish that you know and 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 they've done this all in 23 minutes yeah and a tight 23 minutes which is brilliant um all right so we're at the end what kind of cliffhanger is this uh this is a main character activate so for those who are just dropping in we uh, colin has a theory that there are three different cliffhangers a burning mm-hmm. question a big reveal or a main character activate mm-hmm. uh this is to me a main character activate for bear uh because at the end as we've as we've talked about a bunch he you know he and honestly, it's funny because usually the it's not wrapped up in a lie like yep. like this one is like um, he's trying to he's trying to convince his crew of friends, uh, his, his gang that they need to be vigilantes now. We need to stay on this land so we can protect it. Right. Really, he's it, it, that's really not what he's trying. And, 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 and also trying to all, almost half inspire them to continue on this mission so they could they can leave and and right. leave the reservation but really that's not what he's trying to do oh. he's he's trying to abide by and adhere to uh his spiritual leader's call to action yeah um and so that's why i call it that i i agree with that and actually i think that he's he's abiding to the spiritual leader's call to action but he's also secretly uh initiating his own plan which is like he doesn't want to leave right you know right. and and it's just going to be more excuses and more excuses and more excuses until eventually like him and Alora, which I, I i i don't remember happening but i assume will happen him and Alora will have some sort of like like impasse huge in, impasse yeah for sure yeah, yeah yeah all right so so what about your steph curry award what you got or your coldest line because i've already said mine my coldest line is literally your coldest line okay cool. <laughs> we, can, we can move on so hold on hold on we're gonna drop coldest line now if we hadn't already right. 
<laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, so uh, that's the coldest line. <laughs> All right. So what? Uh, what is your? What's your Steph Curry award? Uh, my Steph Curry goes to Zan McLaren. Uh, he plays big. He's like I said before. He's an OG in this thing. He has been in so it, like you just look at his IMDb page and you're like, holy shit, this man has been. In, so much um and i give it to him because like one consistently like throughout the entire season like his his episodes that have focused on him have been some of my favorite um i think they he has a really wonderful uh, adept way at both playing the comedy of it but also like it being grounded you know like a uh, big is a bit of an absurd person and an absurd character and yet he doesn't feel outside of the world i think like you could have very easily like been too over the top with this you know um and he's not trying to steal every scene he's just playing the scene the way he's playing it and yet he manages to steal a big chunk of the scene mm-hmm. um and you also can tell because as you're watching you also can tell that Zan is somebody who people want because as you watch the season, he starts to disappear because he's just got so many other projects that are coming down the pipeline. Word. Yeah. Um, my Steph Curry award uh, goes to, and it's kind of like a cop out, but I'm doing it anyway, but I'm giving it to Sterling Hardro, the writer and creator of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, this is just a brilliantly written uh piece of television and as we've kind of like gushed over it over the last hour and some change Mm -hmm. um, we just loved the way it was done so i give it to him and anything he does in the future i'm excited to watch or read me too i hope he gets some genre man i hope sterling gets genre yeah that'd be cool i could see some like horror shit because yeah, of what yeah. he's done and some thriller stuff based on the series some of the stuff that they some of the turns they made yeah yeah yeah. and i could see some like um like period drama stuff like you yeah, know yeah yeah when he went back in time a couple times maybe he'll get a a, a slave narrative Bro. <laughs> i'm gonna maybe that'll be maybe that'll be the anti maybe that'd be the anti-slave narrative that we both don't want and need that will turn our opinions started. around slave narratives <laughs> i feel like there's a there's a way to do it somehow and i just don't know how it's done it i tried i tried <laughs> i i'm i there's a way i want to see it i haven't seen a I've seen good ones, but I'm just saying. Anyway, don't get me started. Why'd you even bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I brought that up because we're, we're at our Juneteenth Award. It's a sore subject. Okay. Juneteenth Award <laughs> for me goes to the black man who played who who uh, played the truck driver. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't look up your name. But you know what? I will right now. You can t- you can do yours. Uh, no, I hope. Uh, I think you need to say that again uh, because I okay. just... You you saying the black man who played the truck driver made me like almost spit water into my <laughs> into my mic. So say wait okay. say it say it one more time just for the sake of editing. I will. Okay. My let me actually look up his name before I do that. Of course he's not going to be there. Uh, of course why? <laughs> I literally have to drive. Uh, the truck i gotta do the entire i can i can i can find it whatever fuck it i'm just gonna <laughs> just say, say the truck driver i man. can't look up his name all right my juneteenth award is the black man who drove the truck 
He was hilarious in his short time there. Um, he clearly he's got some he's got some comedy chops. Um, he he looks like an older actor, uh, maybe in his fifties, uh, maybe pushing sixties, you know, fifties. So he's you know I haven't seen him before, but he seems pretty funny, and so I'd just be curious. Let's put it like this: if if I had the power to cast him on something, I'd be interested in giving him an audition because I feel like he's a he's a pretty funny guy. So I give it to him. The piece of blackness that I really appreciated. Nice. Uh, mine actually goes to the mic drop. So whoever the music supervisor is for this show, uh, I think did an awesome job. And I remember listening to a, a, a an interview with Sterling about specifically the hip hop and and why it was so important to include the hip hop and include like hip hop in terms of the posters and hip hop in terms of the t-shirts that they wear and all this other kind of stuff and he was he was saying for him that he saw so much of the indigenous experience within the black american experience particularly what was being spoken about in hip hop in like Wu-Tang Clan in early 90s you know New York hip hop so it just you know, it, it shows how interconnected everything is, you know, mm-hmm. and it shows how it's um, uh, universal and threaded um, hip hop and black culture is in American culture and everyone right. who considers themselves a part of American soil. Um, so, yeah, that's my Juneteenth. I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, well, do, we, are we missing a segment or do we get through it all? We almost did. We just have to drop because we usually do this at the beginning. But we're gonna do this at oh, the you end. Used to do an Isaiah, you used to do an Isaiah's question. I I did, I did. I don't have. Do a, you have any? It's okay if you don't. <laughs> uh, you put me on the spot. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we I just can, looked at the format and I was like, "Well, we haven't done that in a long time." I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll come up with one for the next time. Uh, okay, no worries. With, no worries. I do have my. I do have my log line, which I can do at the end. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. So here's my log line. Cue the music. What if the Goonies was set on an Indian reservation in the same universe as Atlanta? <laughs> After the suicide. That's your pitch. That's your pitch. I did, I'm doing both of them together. Shh. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Be quiet, uh, Bob Iger. Listen to my pitch, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> After the suicide of one of their friends, a group of four young friends tries to steal enough money to escape their town. However, after Bear has an interaction with a spirit warrior, he begins to doubt his quest, even as the rest of his friends accelerate their plans. That's pretty good. I would say it's almost too wordy. Yeah, I was it, pushing it, it. It's it's a long it's like a story, but I'll say this. It was for for like a short syn- a very short synopsis, that's really good. And I think it does do what it needs to do and get you wanting to watch it. That's a, kind of the point. Yeah. And honestly, it's it's a hundred times better than mine <laughs> because I don't have one. <laughs> so we'll go with that. All right. But Bob, um, how much money do I get for the show? Hmm, I don't know. We got we got we have a lot of things going on. Budget cuts and whatnot. Right. You are a native uh, <laughs> or you are a black man, whichever one you are. If you're Sterling Hardro or Elijah Martinez, either way, you're a brown person. So we're going to give you a little less <laughs> Um, because we know that you know what to do with it. We know that you know how to stretch that. Right. And we're also, we're going to give you a little less because we don't quite know because we don't quite 
because of our own racism, we don't trust the fact that you might have a hit show. So we'll give you 50 cents. And if you turn that 50 cents into $100, then we'll give you a little more money. Then we'll give you in a second season. <laughs> Unless, oh, but, but he did have Taika. He did have Taika. They did have Taika. Yes, they did. And, 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 yeah. and, and I'm sure like Taika's name really helped get this green yes. yeah. Thank you, Taika, for that. I appreciate that. And also, Ty- Taika was like all up and down that first season. Towards the second mm-hmm. or third season, Taika isn't on it quite so much, but that first season got Taika. I think he even maybe even directed a, a couple episodes or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. All right. Well, that's about it. Thank you all for listening to the episode one show. Hold up, this hold up. was before yes, we end. Yes. Before we end, are you watching anything? I know we're doing this back to back, but sorry. You got yes. any recommendations? Um. Ooh, man. What are my recommendations? I'm like trying to rewatch. I'm trying to rewatch some stuff, but no, I don't really have any recommendations this time around. Uh, what you got? What you got? I, I'll see if I can um, pull up the ones that I'm watching currently. I said Brother's Son for Suits. Yeah, you said I'm that still was. watching that. Uh, so I can I can suggest that one for for that. What you looking at? What you watching? You got anything? Yeah, I'm vin- I'm finishing up Vinland Saga, uh, for those who know, which is the Viking anime up on Netflix. Um, that season two is such a great season. It is a complete and utter tonal shift uh, for the first half of that season. Um, and if you stick with it, it it's there's some great payoff with that. Yeah, I got, I got it, I got it. Um, so during the during the the break and beyond, I've been watching uh, a new show on HBO on Max, rather uh, called Bookie. Um, anybody who knows me, I am a betting man, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, so I really enjoyed it. It's 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 not an Emmy award winning or Glo- Golden Globe winning TV show whatsoever. <laughs> it's a half hour comedy. Um, it's fun. If you're interested in sports or sports betting, it kind of like satirizes the kind of emergence of, of sports betting in our culture mm-hmm. uh, as it's starting to become legal, like pretty much all over the country. Uh, so that that's uh, that's it, and it does some interesting subversive things There's an Italian lead and a black lead uh, and a, a black counterpart, I guess you want to say. Nice. Um, and. They, they kind of play on the fact that like you you would think both of these guys would be like very violent gangsters and they're not at all <laughs> they're just like the softest sweetest guys that are just trying to make money nice. but do it like illegally so it's kind of fun oh dope, dope, dope. awesome 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 all right cool um socials you can follow us on pretty much everywhere at the episode one show except for x and slash twitter which were called the episode one pod uh, just to give you a heads up if you try to follow us on X slash Twitter. Thank you for making that distinction. Yeah, I noticed that when I was searching for the episode one show and nowhere yeah, to be found. I was lying to the people <laughs> saying that we we're easy to find. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. And then we are, so we are going to do one of our favorite shows from 2023 next uh scavengers reign which you can watch on max so you know you want to get if you as you notice with our show we don't do a lot of like recapping and that kind of stuff so if you really want to like find out like plot for plot for plot like what happens on that episode be, make sure to watch scavengers reign on max because that's what is coming up next week yeah, and this is this is and yeah and that's a definitely like we're putting you on because that that one 
is a little less popular than a lot of people uh, a lot of shows mm-hmm. i want to say i know it's a, and it's an adult an- animation it's out of this world and it's really really fun if you're a sci-fi fan it's really cool and i'm sure when when we go on the journey of of analyzing it we'll we'll uncover some really interesting things yeah. that you guys can add to your little toolbox i'm really excited yeah sweet all right. Well, thank you all for listening to the episode one show. Follow us on all socials. Be sure to like, subscribe, send us, give us five star review. And also, if you feel so inclined, please leave a comment. And then the one thing I'm starting to add to tell you guys to do the call to action for you all is to share this, mm-hmm. uh, share this with your friends. If you're friends of ours, that's great. <laughs> share this with another friend. If you're not friends of ours and you just really like the show, uh, please share this. Hit that share button when you're on Spotify or Google Play or whatever. Um, not Google Play, Google Podcasts or uh, Apple Podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Make sure you're sharing that to your friends. Send that to them so they can go ahead and uh, hit that hit that play button from their text message. That really helps us out. Yep. And so, and as I always say, peace, peace.